It's Pilot Boys episode 87. We're going to talk about V's mishaps during his move, which just does not end. We're going to talk about my New York City trip and how it's back open again. Talking about the Supreme Court and how they sided with NCAA athletes for the first time in forever, thankfully. We're going to talk about the NBA playoffs, Carl Nassib, and our deep dive today is on adapting to the culture around you and finding your advantages. Stay tuned. We've got a great episode in front of you. Welcome to the Pilot Boys Podcast, where you'll get the real on all things sports, music, and pop culture. And here are your hosts, Vishwant and Partha. Pilot Boys in the building. Special evening edition. It's the nighttime edition. Nightcap. Yeah, the nightcap. Ooh, we're, not gonna be cap, we're not going to be capping on this nightcap. No cap, nightcap. <laughs> no cap, nightcap. <laughs> that, that's a, that could be a whole that's podcast. A thing. Let's, yeah. let's, let's do the no cap, nightcap. So welcome to the no cap, nightcap. Is this episode 87? Is it 87? 87, man. That's great. 87. So you're catching us, uh, V. I don't know. I don't even know what you've been up to, but you've been moving, and the move is is it now fully finished? No, it's not. <laughs> I'm learning That's a lot. Uh, patience, developing patience, but also developing the understanding of how to like all the stuff that I've been doing the last two years to kind of like work on myself. This situation seems to be. Um, really putting it to a test and I'm pretty happy with how I've handled myself so far. I've nice. lost my temper. I've kind of handled everything um, smoothly as you could. I got this second time was, was a test. Like I just <laughs> think what's happening now is that there's a, there's a lot of movement happening in America and there's a lot of companies who are busy and busy to the point where they're sacrificing um, the quality of service for multiple reasons. One, I think a lot of people are having trouble um, getting people to work, right? Yeah. Um, that's an issue, um, especially at the rates. You know, you have to pay people pretty well to get them to work these days, you know? Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah seriously. And then, and then just the demand, the sheer demand specifically to places like Texas and Florida the issue that I kind of have with any service-based business is any human being can understand things go wrong, right? I think the issue really comes down to, are you as a company addressing it and being proactive and communicating the issues that are going on? Or are you forcing the consumer to seek out answers, right? There's a difference between like a proactive service organization and a very reactive and passive organization. Because for me personally, I don't know about you, but I can pretty much deal with anything as long as you communicate it to me, right? Yeah. If, if, if they said, hey, this is the busiest time of the year, we can't necessarily guarantee it by this date, but there's going to be a three to five day window or whatever it is. You know, It's all about expectations, man. Yeah. And I think that 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 applies so much to life too in general. Yeah. And it just seems, feels like 99% of our population and especially in business, our business population handles it the completely wrong way because you actually end up operating a better business. You make more money, your customers are happier, but it just seems like that's not the norm. Yeah. And when you set your expectations lower too, and, and they're more reasonable, it's like, it's easier. First of all, it's easier to hit them. So you're more likely to be successful. Yes. And you also turn away people who have unreasonable expectations. And those are the ones who cause headaches. Yes. Yes. So it works in both ways. Yes, it does. It's, so you would say this was your, you know, every moment in your life led up to this. This was your slumdog millionaire moment. Yeah. Like all the, you know, when you say, you know, what we talk about, you can, you can either spend your time worrying about what other people are doing or work on yourself. Right. Yeah. And I think figuring that out and working out, like we all play to our strengths for a long period of our life. Right. Yeah. It's when you figure out how to 
overcome and, and manage your weaknesses, which is first like accepting it, right? Like, yeah. I have a, believe it or not, I have a really bad temper when I like get upset. It's not, when I actually get upset, it's yeah. not pleasant. I don't get upset too often, but the, that's why it's a temper. It's not yeah. like I get, ang- I'm not angry, but I have a temper. Yeah. It's because I deal with so much. So then when I finally snap, it's not pleasant. I'm pretty, pretty happy that I haven't, I haven't cussed anyone out yet. <laughs> I, I mean, I get it, bro. I will. This is something maybe for off the air, but I'll tell you, I've been also in a situation where I've used every tool in my bag basically to just, yeah. you know, keep the head straight. And it's like, all right, like, good thing I have all these habits. Good thing I have all these skills that I've been building all over the years to keep my mind calm and help me get through stress really yeah you know whether it's physical whether it's emotional whatever all the stress operates on you the same way yeah and you realize that a lot of the things that we do just compounds that stress versus like being reactive and getting yeah emotionally uh uncorked yeah um, usually makes the situation worse and that's also why experience matters like going through situations enough situations where you're like well did has this worked yeah. For, you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> so let's try something different. <laughs> <laughs> that happens way too much in life. Yeah, it does. Yeah. So um, I'm coming back from New York. Just spent yeah. about a week there in the city. I uh, was seeing, you know, our mutual friend Sine for his birthday and our other mutual friend Nafis shares, essentially shares the same birthday. They're back to back. Yeah. So, and they're business partners. It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah, they didn't know until didn't, yeah. like a year into their partnership. That is, that's that's crazy. Yeah, it, it makes sense. I mean, it's so funny the two Gemini's. They're two both Gemini's. I don't know Snae as well, but yeah, Nafis has no bipolar tendencies whatsoever. He's fairly consistent, so he's yeah, he must lean Cancer. Yeah, honestly, same with honestly, same Cancers with are emotional too. Really? So, yeah, yeah, same with Snae though. He's a pretty uh pretty consistent energy in terms of yeah it seems that way it's yeah that way you know yeah um yeah pretty wild yeah it's pretty interesting yeah pretty pretty interesting but you know i was a little jealous this weekend you know new york is my is my one of my favorite cities on this this planet Uh, i dude i can't believe i i could have sworn we had planned this and told you about it in advance I did not know the exact dates. You had said May. I think you forgot to give me the memo. Yeah. But it's no, it's, it's, you no were thing. moving anyway. Yeah. It wouldn't, it wasn't. The funny thing is, because of all this, I could have probably, I should have probably come out for like a day. You just, actually, you could have because yeah. we were there for six days. Yeah. I should have just come out for a day. But so we went out, you know, did the, did the partying thing one night and uh, tried some cool restaurants. There's one that this like this was the hardest possible place to get a table at apparently so yeah it's this restaurant called the bohemian and the reason it's so well known is that basquiat used to paint there that was his apartment that he did most of his work in so he it's just blessed with his energy and uh the restaurant it seats like four tables and it's just in the apartment which is how do you how do you make that one happen so check this out. So you have to get a secret number and Sine was able to get that. And you have to also be referred by somebody who's eaten there before. Oh, so wow. at the end of your seating, you fill out a form, you give your contact info, they put you in a database. And then when somebody calls the number, you then have to state your referral. And you already had to work to get the number. You have to state the party. If they're in the database, then you're good. And Sine was able to figure that part out as well. But then there's a third layer. So you can only call at certain times. So every day at 3 p.m., the phones open until they're booked out for the night. And he called two days in a row, no response. He said the third day, he he was just like, I'm going to try it early. And he tried at 2.59 and got picked up and got us the table. Oh, wow. That was smart thinking. Yeah. Pretty nuts, right? That's pretty nuts. Yeah. How was the food? Was it was food honestly the best sushi I've had in my entire life. Oh, it's a sushi spot. Oh, yeah. yeah. I saw, oh, yeah, yeah. I saw you guys. Yeah. 
pictures. It was it was pretty unbelievable. That's that's amazing. Highly recommend that. It's kind of elaborate to make it happen, but it was totally worth it. I don't think I would go through the effort to make it happen again, to be honest, because of (laughs) how difficult it was. But, See the uh, thing, yeah, it's fun to make the impossible happen, but it's a lot more fun when you don't have to do a lot of work yeah. to make the impossible happen. That's exactly. kind of how I like to do it. <laughs> exactly. So that was cool. And then there was this other restaurant called Gitanos that's like from it's inspired by Tulum. So they say it's like Tulum in New York. And you know, New York has this it's funny. The restaurant how, vibe is pretty crazy there. Yeah, the restaurants are sick. But yeah. New York in general kind of has this whole like, they're like, oh, it's this in the city. And I'm like, you could still clearly tell that you're in a city, guys. Like, yeah, someone was telling me like, oh, you go to Gitano and you don't even know you're in the city anymore. And it's like, I'm surrounded by buildings. Like, got, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> this is <laughs> not immersive. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. You have like this little square that looks like you're you're in. <laughs> yeah. And like I'm a guy from LA out there, right? So, yeah. you know, and everyone's like, "Oh, how do you like it out here?" I'm like, "Oh, it's cool, you know, but I I prefer but That's that's for my thing. vibe. Yeah. That's the thing. We'll get into it later, but LA people don't like New York that much. And New York people don't it's the they're complete they're polar opposites energy wise right yeah like totally lay, lay back chill versus aggressive so maybe that's where nafisa's gemini comes out and probably snays is that they both fit in both cities yeah 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 they're willing to be aggressive that's yeah that's good that's good i mean for me la is just uh i can fit into both but i, I prefer the new york the new if i were to live in either one of those cities i prefer mm-hmm. the new york vibe How's the energy? Is like the first you guys couldn't have coordinated it better. It was the first weekend that was like fully open, open. Yeah, right? it was nuts, dude. I mean, I just like all memories of COVID are basically gone. Yeah, that's just crazy. everyone's partying, everyone's having a great time, everyone's meeting each other, hanging out together. You know, like everyone's like, "Hey, can you take my photo?" Like passing phones around. There's a, no one's making any sort of big deal about um, contact or anything. So it's just it's nice. It's it's like a healthier way for humans to live in a in a society. Well, guess what though? Guess what the vaccination rate is in New York City? What is it? It's over 70%. Oh, they hit the mark. And I think did LA hit their mark? It's open here. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's your solution, people. If you want to get in contact with people, you want to engage with people, you want to meet hot girls or guys, you <laughs> get vaccinated. You know there's um there's a, I'll make the segue here. There's one thing that I definitely am glad I was vaccinated for. I yeah. was able to get tickets to the Nets Bucks game seven. That was that an was, amazing game. What's, holy we're gonna touch, shit. We're going to, we're going to get it. We we should get, we're going to have to get into that in our NBA segment. Yeah. Yeah. It was pretty crazy experience, right? That's a great game. Sometimes yeah. you, you accidentally, accidentally fall into one of the experiences you won't forget for your lifetime. And if you're a basketball fan and you got to witness, witness that game, it's, it's not something you will forget. Yeah. By the way, that was me seamlessly segueing into the NBA segment. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Well, let's, let's, you like that? I, I like that, but I wasn't ready for it because we had another segment that was supposed to come before. Well, the we would, we were going to come back to it. <laughs> <laughs> let's get, let's, let's get into the, we'll, we'll have to build up our chemistry. Like, uh, like Kevin Durant and Bruce Brown. Oh yeah. That's, that was phenomenal. Yeah. Phenomenal. So, um, Nets bucks game seven. Let's start there. Pretty unbelievable game. Oh yeah, I mean it was a heavyweight fight, and it was literally to watch um, Kevin Durant. Whatever you think of his personality and his off the court issues, like we, we don't need to get into that. But when you just watch the man play basketball, it's poetry in motion. Like nothing, Absolutely. everything is effortless for him. It looks like he's floating while everybody else is literally in rush hour in New York City. Yeah, you know what I mean, yeah. And his um, his presence on the court is commanding. He's very like in charge and ready to do whatever he's going to do, right? And he knows he's unstoppable. He has zero insecurity. Like it's so funny how that's maybe why they come out off the court because the man has zero insecurities on the basketball court. Like he's yeah. not afraid 
of any moment of anything. He's in his own zone, locked in. Hundred percent. Every it's, time. It's so crazy. I got to I got to see I got to go to a finals game, the the Warriors and uh and Cavs. Um and I got to see that. It was just man. It was unbelievable, man. Unbelievable. Man. Um just he might be one of the top from a talent standpoint. He's one of the top top five players I've ever seen. And might yeah. be you know, might be second for me. He's probably the best scorer I've ever seen. But he's good on defense too. That's the yeah. thing. He's a smart player on defense. And like yeah. the thing is it's just like the game is it's like everybody's in fast forward and he's he's in slow motion. It, it right. feels that way. Because he's no waste. That's how he can play 48 minutes too. Right. Because, totally. You know, and then the flip side of it, you see a player like Giannis, there's nothing poetic about his game. You know? Bro, he was, he also had an unbelievable game. Yeah. He was it's the just opposite, so though. locked he's in. He's just as like, well. he's like, he's like a, 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 he's out of it. He's, he's just out of a cannon. Yeah. You know he's like mean? a train. Like he's a train with a, a nonstop motor who just keeps coming at you because he can't dribble very well. He has he has no moves really. Yeah. That's that's so surprising to me that like yeah. he's been in the league what four or five years. I yeah. figure by this point he would be able to shoot the ball and dribble a little bit. The fact that he can get thirty eight points and can't do either one of those things—it's <laughs> ridiculous. It's like Ben Simmons. What are you doing? You yeah, know what I mean? Giannis did. He did make a few threes though, to his credit. Yeah, but he shouldn't be. There's no no game, and this is where Coach Bud needs to enforce something with his players. It's like Giannis. Good things happen when you drive to the bucket. You should not be shooting six to eight threes a game. Shoot two, <laughs> you know. Shoot three. The guy has when you watch him shoot, you're like hoping that it goes in. Like it's almost like a prayer. <laughs> the, the shot is so high arcing; it's it's just not a good shot. Like he banked one in, I think, but there's nothing <laughs> smooth about his jump shot. And it's like good things happen when he drives to the bucket. Either he's going to get the points. Or one of their great shooters is wide open. You know what yeah. I mean? So it's like, do not interrupt that flow. But it's interesting. Um, it's I guess it's hard to tell your two-time MVP, hey, by the way, you're shooting too many threes. Yeah. But, I mean, that's the difference between a, a Popovich, a great coach, and no, oh, I won't say too much. I don't like to criticize people. <laughs> so... Yeah, and the other thing that stood out to me was Chris Middleton is just a, a straight baller. He's a baller, man. He's so good. You, you know what's what was interesting about that game is that a lot of guys had bad, bad games. Yeah. Um, and But they came through. Joe Harris. Yeah, I mean, it, it, James Harden was literally just out there, so Kevin Durant wouldn't have to. Dude, and up. he did 22-9-9 on a bum knee. Yeah. To yeah. see him running around, there was no point where I saw him like go more than 70% speed. Yeah, he was literally there so that Kevin Durant wouldn't have to dribble the ball up. Yeah. He, he, that was really his main reason. Like they needed somebody reliable to run the offense. And he almost got a triple double. Yeah. I mean, he's a he's a phenomenal basketball player as well. It's it's a yeah. shame that we didn't see them at full strength, but it's also a blessing, I think, because you know. We are going to see an NBA champion that's never been an NBA champion before. Yeah, guaranteed. Pretty amazing. Um, since the ABA era, none of these teams have won. So, you know, and then also it's just like if you're not watching the NBA playoffs, regardless of the criticisms you have of the league and the regular season and whatever issues you have, you're missing some of the best young basketball players I've ever seen come into the league at one time. Like, so here's here's my conspiracy theory. Now that we're talking about who's still in the playoffs, Chris Paul has a positive COVID test and is out. Kawhi's out. Now there's rumors saying Kawhi might come back in the series. Is Chris Paul just out, and is this a charade to keep the series even? Uh, I don't think Chris Paul's out. I mean, I, first of all, there hasn't been confirmation that he has COVID because just that he tested positive in their following protocols. 
if he did, is that has that been confirmed? Has that been confirmed by the Suns? Yeah, that he tested positive and they're confirming protocols, but they didn't say anything about a vaccine. It couldn't like the NBA. Because it could be just testing. exposure. It could be exposure to someone because I saw him posting a video during the game with, with his, his kids. Yeah, I, so I don't think I don't think if he was COVID positive, I don't think Chris Paul would be. They were just following protocols. So my that's what I'm saying is like he missed game one as a result of that. Was that just to even the floor because they didn't know how long Kawhi was going to be out? Yeah, I don't think that they would accept that. I think I don't. I don't. I don't if I, don't. I was, I don't know, man. Like as as a narrative, a why would one. you not? Why would you not want the 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 two best? two best players on each team playing like well no i'm Kawhi's injury is is not basically trying to hold mind. this hold the series for longer so you think so you think the utah series was fixed um i don't know because they lost Kawhi and uh and they uh and they won two straight games without Kawhi. yeah that was honestly so impressive that to me was like the moment I was like, this is Ty Lu showing his impact. Yeah, those are the two takeaways. One, um, I apologize to Paul George. I think he, we were all deservedly. <laughs> He's balling. I was, we were all deservedly hard on him, though. He deserved <laughs> to be like, because it's like he would come out and do it to himself, right? Like with yeah. all of his monikers, self-proclaimed monikers, yeah. and that showing up. And anybody who saw what he did, especially when the Heat were together in Indiana, Indiana once Derrick Rose got injured, um, he kept the Pacers competitive with that Miami Heat team. And then he had that gruesome injury that it's amazing that he's come back. You know, I think sometimes we take for granted um, as fans, what it actually does to a person to experience the type of injury like that, both from a physical standpoint and mental standpoint, it's fun to like poke fun of like some of these things, but there's, there's probably been a whole cycle of depression that Paul George had to work through because his career might've been over. He had to go through the rehab. Like if you're a casual fan, it's like, I, sometimes I feel like there's not enough, um, empathy for what it actually takes to be a great player at any sport, specifically basketball. Yeah. The type of work that these guys have to put in the difference between average, good, great. It's all about the work because, well, everybody, yeah. you know, it's all about how much work you're putting in. What a great point. And I mean, I think that that to me just speaks of Ben Simmons and what he's going through right now. Like the dude is getting railed again, deservedly. So, for his play, for not taking that open dunk and passing the ball, for taking only four shots in game seven and no shots in the fourth quarter. Like, yeah, it's well, not it's not good, you know, but you got to watch out for the kid who's getting roasted. Like, hopefully he's okay. Well, and I also, you know, uh, to be quite honest, I feel like at a certain point we, we have to question um, whether – Doc Rivers is just an average coach or a great coach because the number of playoff series he's blown um, and then the, the actual decisions that he makes sometimes in game um, is mind boggling. Either you're going to play Ben Simmons or you're not like play Tyrese Maxey. Then let the kid play bench Ben Simmons because it's poor. This goes back to understanding the psychology of players. Phil, Phil Jackson, Pat Riley, they don't make these type of mistakes because they tune into their player's psychology as well. If you are already struggling at the free throw line and you're considered the second best player on the team and your coach is benching you in the fourth quarter so that you don't have to play, you don't think that that's going to affect your confidence. If your own team, like let him play through it, let him, it just seems like there's a different style. It's like he's so tentative. Ben Simmons, like when he came into the league, yeah. no, he could never shoot a three-pointer, but he could give you anything 10 feet and in. Yeah, you know? and he was aggressive about getting to his spots. Yes, he was. So it's mental. And then I also think the second part of it is Joel Embiid and him are not a good pairing. The Philadelphia 76ers made a critical mistake not trading Ben Villa, Ben Simmons at peak value and keeping Jimmy Butler because I feel like Jimmy Butler from a mentality standpoint matches 
Joel Embiid much better. Um, mm. Gives you the defensive presence. They still have Thabul, who was second team All NBA defense off the bench, and then they would have, think about the the haul of talent they would have gotten for Ben Simmons. Yeah, hundred percent. Especially when his trade value was so high. Yep. And they could have they could have easily you know pulled a, a Damian Lillard at that time. Yep, yep. But Philly fans do need to give some credit to the process because look at what what happened. They've drafted Simmons, they drafted um, Jalil Okafor who didn't work out, and they drafted um, Fultz who didn't work out. Yet they were literally uh, a quarter away from making the Eastern Conference Finals and they're one of the, they finished number one in the East. So yeah. You gotta take the good with the bad, Sixers fans. Yeah. yeah. Plus Embiid has been balling out and showing nothing but heart. He's yeah, Embiid fun. is amazing, man. He's yeah, am- he's fun to watch. He's amazing. It's unfortunate that you know that he only has a few seasons left because of all of his yeah. health issues and his size, right? A seven seven three but the fact that that's another guy. We haven't seen a player like that because he's not, he's actually a legit center. Like he's a big, big guy, but he moves. He can shoot. He can, he's got a mid range game. He can play post up, face up, defensive player. Yeah. You know, he, he's like an advanced Akeem Elijah one. You know, that's yeah. how I look at him. Yeah, you know? he is. He's honestly pretty unguardable, especially when he's got full energy and is healthy. Yeah, and the unfortunate thing about Simmons being the way that he is, everyone wants to point to his eight turnovers uh, and be the eight turnovers. Those eight turnovers don't happen if you have a reliable point guard. Bring you can't if you can't if Ben Simmons in the fourth quarter can't dribble the ball up because they're going to foul him. Yeah, and you're not. What what are you supposed well, to plus do? Plus, this dude's gas from playing both sides of the ball for the entire game. Yeah, yeah. I was really surprised at how both Doc Rivers and Joel Embiid kind of threw Ben Simmons under the bus after the game, too. Yeah, that was actually just savage. The other thing yeah. I noticed too is that the Clippers last year versus the Clippers this year, and the Sixers last year versus the Sixers this year, like what. I see is a team wherever Doc Rivers was coaching. I see a team that just was less fit, like less physically fit. Yeah, less fit, and then they don't make the they don't you know when you're up three one and you have nineteen sixteen point like it's the same story. Like yeah. the Sixers blew big leads in multiple games. Like make the adjustments. Yeah. I don't think he if his initial game plan isn't working. You know, I, I don't think he knows he's very good at making in-game adjustments at critical junctures, right? Yeah. Like, I think the stress and pressure gets to him, too. We have to acknowledge that. I love Doc as a person. Um, I love hearing his interviews. Yeah, and what he's he awesome. Has, what he has to say, but at a certain point, your resume, you, what, what, you, what you do consistently kind of is a reflection of your work, especially at that level. You're not getting paid peanuts. You know what I mean? Like you, when you're getting paid like that, people are going to be critical of you. You He seems like a coach who is really, really great at creating culture, but I think he needs to be paired with somebody who is better at the technical play calling and strategy aspect of the game. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's funny to see the content, like you said, the difference is yeah. Tyron Lou. And the truth is a lot of people questioned, including me, like if you're going to get rid of Doc Rivers, why would you hire one of his protégés, right? Because mm-hmm. Tyron Lou is on the coaching staff, right? you know? Um, but that's, that's amazing. It's just the difference. I think it also has to do with um, – Tehran lose connectivity to the younger generation, you know. Plus, he's he's younger, so he's a little bit hungrier. You know, he's younger, he's hungrier, and he also he's also uh, relates to these younger players, right? I mean, I mean, he's related to Jason Tatum. Um, He's 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 connected, right? In a real way, Doc was always kind of older. You know, his career was over, but Teron Lou, some of these guys played with him. 
You yeah. know what I mean? So it's a, uh, and I think he has universal respect around the league too. Um, yeah. Because I think, uh, I think even Allen Iverson, everybody knows the famous Allen Iverson step over of Teron Lou. Yeah. And Allen Iverson in an interview said he felt bad about it because he wasn't trying to disrespect Teron Lou at all. He said he loves him and he hates the fact that he has to deal with, deal with all of this, that it actually bothers him. You know, wow. that's why he doesn't watch it that much. <laughs> <laughs> that's nuts. Yeah. Man. It's, it's amazing. Sometimes too, like, here's the truth, right? Like this is why companies have to change CEOs too sometimes is there are certain CEOs that are great for a certain phase of where your company's at, whether you're rebuilding or, and there's a different type of coach that it takes to manage like a championship team, right? Like managing success, yeah, keeping people motivated. You know, I think that's, that's what the Pat Riley's, um, Phil Jackson's, you know, and, um, Greg Popovich's have. Yeah, totally. Know? Eric Spolstra. Yeah. Spolstra, Spolstra has it too. And now it seems Ty Lue may have it. Yeah. 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 I mean, the fact that they're competing without Kawhi Leonard is just goes to show how much his team has bought into him and believes in him and his adjustments. And he's made phenomenal coaching decisions. Dude, Lex. the way his teams play the second half of every game. Yeah. You can tell that they're a different team every time they come out in the second half. Yeah. And even going to second year, like he's not scared to make the big decisions. Like, Man is a second-year, second-round player, and he decides to start him, and the kid gives him thirty-nine points. You know <laughs> what I mean? That's yeah. develop. That means that he's being developed. Yeah, he's being coached, and he's bought into the system. Um, and to actually make that decision—that's a clear difference, right? Yeah. Like Maxi should have. If you're going to bench Ben Simmons anyways in critical situations, then let Maxi start. And let make sh- because it it's so much easier to defend the Sixers knowing that Ben Simmons isn't even going to shoot the ball. The yeah. point guard isn't going to shoot the ball. Yeah, it seems like they almost gave up before the game, knowing that you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah, it, it's got to be a downer. Yeah, because his lack of belief in himself makes you're the you're the second supermax player on your team. Yeah. You're supposed to lead. Dude, who wants that contract now? I don't know, man. I don't know. That's Hopefully not- he can improve improve his shot and get, get over his mental block, see a sports psychologist, because he is, you know, I'm hard on him, but he is an extremely brilliant and gifted basketball. Like, that's why he's in the NBA, despite yeah. the fact that he can't shoot, is he is superhuman in some of the other things that he's able to do, like, he is right. Trey Young shot five for 23 in the game with Ben yeah. Simmons as his primary defender. Yeah. But unfortunately, in today's NBA, you got to be able to do it. You got to be able to put the ball in the bucket. Yeah, totally true. He can, too. He can develop the skill. I mean, we saw LeBron turn into a decently good shooter over the yeah. course of his career. Yeah. But mindset, too. He's got Mindset, he, for sure. He's got to work. Maybe he needs to work out with LeBron this summer. Yeah, yeah. At the Space Jam set again. Yeah. I mean, look, Rich Paul is the real MVP because he got him a Supermax, um, and I don't think too many agents uh, would have been able to to do that. Yeah. Says a lot of – gives a lot of respect oh, to yeah, Rich Paul. Oh, yeah, totally. At, at the time, too, I mean, he was on an amazing upward arc. Yeah, he was. Yeah. But you he it was clear he hasn't been able to shoot for five seasons now. Yeah, true. So, so uh in the NFL and other news, uh Carl Nassib came out as the first gay openly gay player and uh his jersey is now one of the top selling jerseys on the NFL store, which is pretty cool. Yeah, I mean the whole thing situation is pretty cool. Right, because I liked I saw the video that he posted and I, I liked it. He didn't come out, he didn't do anything extra. He's like, Look, this is no big deal, right? Like I can't wait for the time that I don't need to make an announcement like this. And I think it's in stark contrast to what somebody like Michael Sam did, right? Which mm-hmm. was he was a fringe NFL player, like he wasn't even necessarily 
supposed to make it. Yeah. But then it almost seemed like the attention from this put a lot of pressure on, on himself and NFL teams. And it seemed like a lot of the stuff he did was intentionally playing to the storyline. You know yeah. what I mean? Like overdoing it versus just saying, Hey, this is what I am. So what, you know what I mean? It's not yeah. that big of a deal. He's proven himself in the NFL. His teammates seem to already know about it. Um, it's like, it wasn't, it wasn't an attention seeking decision. It seemed like it was genuine um, and yeah. real. You know, and yeah. I think that that's why it's resonated so powerfully across, you know, the wide audience, you know, and kudos to him and congrats to him. It is a big deal to do that in football. It is still a culture that, that, um, from that standpoint, still, still 100%. has some work to do. 100%. And, uh, you know, our final news and notes topic, the Supreme Court siding with NCAA athletes. V, I know you're pretty excited about this. This is a huge storyline, huge, huge, huge. It might be the end of the NCAA as we know it. Um, and anybody who's actually seen the inside of how college athletics works, you know, I've, I wouldn't even call it the privilege. I've had the misfortune of seeing it um, from the perspective of the student athlete specifically, right? It's like you're you're literally seeing, and I'm, I'm going to paint the picture, right? You come in with a college scholarship to a program like Ohio State or Alabama. Every one of your coaches is making a million dollars or more. All the administrators, the athletic directors, the assistant coaches, the staff, they're all making six figures or above. You go to the stadium, you see 100,000 fans who've paid 75 to 100, who knows how much the suites cost per seat. Yeah. You look at the stadium, there's an advertisement at our company that sponsors literally everything. First quarter, second quarter, third quarter, fourth quarter, halftime, everything is sponsored, right? Concessions, <laughs> you know, and you are also, as a student athlete, restricted from fully pursuing your academic career the way you want to as well. Because there are certain classes you can't take, certain majors that they steer you away from because they might be too stringent. So you are there as a student athlete. Meanwhile, if you if you were caught at that game at the stadium taking a free hot dog from the hot dog vendor, literally, if you get a free hot dog from the hot dog vendor, you could get an NCAA violation and compromise your entire career and eligibility. Yeah, it's nuts. It, it's nuts. Yeah. And then you also look at the NCAA, get beyond the school, and you go to the NCAA part of it. Mark Emmert, the, the, the NCAA, he gets paid $4 million a year. Every conference head gets paid multiple millions of dollars. Then there's associates, like literally everybody around you is a millionaire, and you can't even get a fucking free hot dog. Like you can't get a free T-shirt. You can't get like, you can't go out and get a free meal because yeah. the entire economy of the city on a football Sunday is driven by these players playing on the field. Like it makes no sense. And so the fact that the Supreme Court, you know, um, came down on this the way that they did and basically their decision said that you cannot restrict the actual benefits that a student athlete gets. They're not going to get paid, but increased stipends for food, you know, nutrition, um, tutoring, like they can expand any benefit that comes with being a student athlete. And I've always advocated for this more than just paying the athletes, right? Just make their life very, very happy. Yeah. Don't make it a downside to the rest of your life to do one thing. Yeah, and then create the opportunities, whether they make it in the NFL or not, to have a good life after football, right? Yeah. Like, that is that is all these guys are asking for, right? Like, how un-American is it that the only place that you can't make money off your own name, image, and likeness, your own self, is 
college football or college athletics. Like you can't make part that you couldn't make name, money off of your own name and your yeah. own picture. Like if you signed an autograph of your picture and tried to sell it, it's a violation. Like how weird is that? Like yeah. you see people wearing your jerseys by going to the store and they'll just put this, the number of the star yeah, player. Not the name. The name. Yeah, And then also you see fans going and doing the custom stuff in the stadium, yeah. getting the custom letter and just putting your name on there. Like, yeah, this is le- like, this shit is, is, is shows the hypocrisy and how so many of our power structures are set up to feed and cannibalize and be parasites. Um, while y- the people who are doing the hard work can't even get a free hot dog or a free hot dog. <laughs> yeah straight up i mean straight up that's that's kind of how a lot of industries are structured and you know it's good to see in the sports world this sort of change happening just in general in america i feel like there's a lot of exploitation that goes on through the guise of something else which is like in this case hey we're giving you an amazing free education you should be so grateful Right. Yeah. And it's not just that. Right. Like then they create these things. They create the conferences. Yeah. It's not just the university, the conferences. Then why is there an NCAA overseeing everything? Yeah. It's like they just create these unnecessary layers to feed themselves. Yep. A hundred percent. You know, and that's that's what's if 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 you really said this is if you if the players got scholarships and the coaches got commensurate with like what a professor makes. Then I don't think we could ha- we'd be having the same discussion. Yeah. Or should be I don't think people discussion. would be upset at all. Yep. Yeah. So um, I think that brings it close to our news and notes segment. It does. It We're going to have a quick break and we will be back for our deep dive today. It's about adapting to the culture around you and finding your advantages. Show the Pilot Boys some love by getting some of our exclusive merch at shop.pilotboys.com. You're listening to the Pilot Boys Podcast. Hey, this is Partha. Not only am I a pilot boy, but I'm also the CEO of Lasso. I started Lasso to help people improve their movement on a daily basis. We design and create compression apparel that enables you to move confidently, recover safely, and ultimately be the best version of yourself. We use a patented compression technology that activates key ligaments and tendons to help you improve your proprioception, coordination, and balance on a daily basis. Lasso socks were recently ranked number one by Men's Health because of how much they improve how your body works and the overall comfort, softness, and feel of the product. We're very proud of the Lasso socks, so check them out on our website at lassogear.com or at lassogear. Undo Media is proud to be the production partner for the Pilot Boys. Storytelling is what they do. From video production, podcasting, and consulting, Undo Media's focus is on telling your story. Find out why four Emmys and hundreds of clients will back up why you should contact Undo Media for your next project. Look them up at undomedia.com. Partha, this is a great deep dive. You came up with uh, the, the no cap nightcap. No cap nightcap deep dive. So this is inspired from my observations when I was in New York this past week. And I noticed that I noticed this when I moved to LA as well. It feels in each city, there's like a totally different culture, but I wasn't as exposed to it in the past. Like Atlanta was the first time in my life I actually participated in business culture in a meaningful way, but also in social culture in a meaningful way. So I had a friend circle and I had a professional circle. And for me, what happens is they often get overlapped that I like to do business with my friends. My friends all tend to end up very successful. So it, it maps out kind of in the same world. Um, so whenever I move from city to city, I like to see what the habits are, what the lifestyles are and to see if I would fit in, how I would like it, like how would I live in this place and what would it take for me to thrive? And one of the observations was that in New York, just from a personality standpoint, I would probably struggle there to really thrive because of my enjoyment of just having my own space you know, liking to spend time alone from time to time, um, just the way in which I spend time with others, like not, I, I'm not big on going out to dinner all the time or doing drinks all the time. Like that's not a, a main thing for me. Um, usually people just come over to my house or we take walks or we go to the park or, 
We, we just do things. So, you know, lifestyle wise, you notice that different places you live have different ways of life and you have to kind of communicate in that culture to be able to make friends. So like in Atlanta, everyone wanted to go to breweries or go to certain places in town that everyone else went. And you, you'll even find this within cities. Like I've been in friend circles that always want to do brunch versus friend circles that always want to go on hikes. And it's like the habits that you choose with the people you spend time with really have a huge impact on you, your health, your happiness and everything. So, you know, this experience in New York showed me that, you know, you can't adapt. It's not like you are, are going to always have an unhappy time in a city you don't mesh with. Like you'll find your lane and you'll adapt, but part of you will change a little bit based around, based on the people that are around you and you'll start to pick up some of their traits. And, you know, that puts you in a certain context in terms of the community you're in, the friends you have. And from an advantageous standpoint, it's almost like there's certain unique things you bring to the table when you participate in those communities to help you thrive. So like for me, the example would be growing up in the Midwest, now coming to LA. LA is a very materially driven society. It's very based on mm -hmm. clout and fame. Ohio is a very grounded place. It's very values oriented. It's very, um, there's a lot of like customs. It's a blue collar, blue collar um, humility, right? Exactly, exactly. And so that upbringing is my unique advantage in LA. But I also have had to change things like I picked up dressing differently. I picked up, you know, where do I spend time? What kind of things do I do? I did change some of my habits to adapt better to the culture around me here. Um, but I brought part of me as well that helps me have an advantage. And the habits that I picked up are things that I genuinely enjoy. You know what I mean? But essentially, you know, that was the thing that I observed is that in any city you move to, you kind of have to do this combination of adaptation, but also retain like a couple things that you can really use to thrive. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, one of, one of the attributes that I like the most about myself is my adaptability. Right. Um, and I think that adaptability literally comes from living in so many different places and absorbing so many different cities, cultures, you know, even international cultures. I am saying that because I think that it's important um, for everybody in their in their younger years to interact and spend time in as many different places as you possibly can. Because what it does is it 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 it, it makes your toolbox um able to adapt to any culture. You can read Okay, I can generally read now if somebody's from a certain place or a certain area of the country and how they're going to move based on that, right? Mm -hmm. Like Cleveland, even within Ohio, spending time in Cleveland has a very unique energy that's different than Columbus energy. And Cincinnati has a different energy, right? Toledo has yep. a different energy. Detroit has a different energy. You know, New York has a different energy. LA, it's like literally polar opposites, right? Culturally, in terms of how they move, yeah. laid back culture versus a very aggressive culture, in your face culture. Um, you know, and then the down down south, you know, um, where you really do have to deal with managing race in a very different way. And even so in the Midwest, you know yeah. what I mean? And how you maneuver through that and and then also all the different cultures you interact with, right? Yep. Not just about the places you live, but is your friend circle. Have you interacted with people who are from different cultures than you are consistently? Do you understand other cultures? Because Caribbean culture is different than South American culture. You know, Chinese culture is different than Indian culture. Like seeing all these places puts you in a position where you can literally move through any room and if you can move through any room and relate to a wide range of people and you have a goal you will be successful regardless of anything else and that's what la is about really yeah. right it's like it's a bunch of people who there are some people who create things and create ideas but there's also a whole bunch of people 
who just figure out how to monetize their relationships and get to where they need to go because people like them. Yep. You know, and those tend to be a lot of people from Ohio, it seems like, are the connectors in cities like New York and LA because people like them because they're different than the people who kind of are in that Hollywood culture and and are looking for it. There's a genuineness, there's a realness, there's a there's a we don't just front and bullshit that is that people gravitate toward too because it's it's not the norm. Yeah, a hundred percent. And I think there's this from a professional context and like the context of you know succeeding financially, there are ways to leverage the things about you you bring from your upbringing and your way of life in any particular context. So if um, you know if you grow up in a particularly vibrant culture, there's a lot of ways to leverage that in the creative industry with the sounds that you use, with the the influences you come with that make you stand out in a really significant way and can help you succeed very rapidly. Right. And yeah, yeah, Yeah. that, that exists in every single industry. I mean, look, the biggest reason immigrants do very well in America here is because the type of survival instincts and work ethic you have to make it, to have to make it because most of the people that come out, come to America are people who have risen to the top in their culture and their country, which often are third world countries like Indians, for example, we come from a country of 1.2 billion people. So to actually be, to thrive and succeed and rise to top there, it's harder than in a country of 200 some million people. Right. Yeah. And so that's why it's so much more competitive. If you want to see how much the difference between America and India, for example, is Go to a first grade math class in India and go to a first grade cl- math class in the U.S. and sit through. I actually have gone to both. So sit through one of them and see what the difference is in terms of intensity, in terms of how much they're trying to make them absorb um, at a certain time. And so when you take that and you bring those people over here and they know work and now you're only competing with 200, I mean, I said 200, 400 million people versus 400 million people spread out. India is about the state of Texas, the size of Texas and California combined. And you put them here, they're going to thrive. Yeah. You yeah, know? absolutely. It's it's literally, that's, that is the, the breakdown of why it happens. It's not... It's not all these other things. It's literally the conditions dictate how you become conditioned and how you can become conditioned based on the culture you're from. Like you just said, you can, you can utilize those differences to adapt and thrive in, in other places, you know, and that's yeah. why, to be honest, like a lot of Americans also thrive when they go to other cultures because the American way of thinking and the Western thought, it's intuitive for Americans, right? So if you go to a country that's Westernizing as an American, you will have no trouble finding a job. You will succeed and thrive. So it's it works both ways. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah, exactly that. Man, it's it's wild. I think about you know the part of my life where I was trying to decide what city to live in. And I spent a lot of time in um, Atlanta trying to help build the city. And I felt that my presence there would help it build because I felt that success was going to be easier than it was. Yes. And uh, it took, it took, you know, a few years, but I quickly realized that, you have to take more of that survival instinct approach, which is just find the area of prosperity for yourself and go there. You know, you can't, you can't just bring everything to where you're at, like moving to where your industry is, moving to a place where your personality thrives. Is, it's critical to be able to put the highest quality work out there. And like, I think back then it felt like even and you know business building or any form of success felt more methodical to me even back then 
But as I've grown, I've realized it's not, it's anything but methodical. Environment just, is everything. Yeah. Environment. You have to put yourself, if the first step to being successful is putting yourself in an environment that puts you in the mood that you, the mental state that you need to be to be successful. And I appreciate that point. But, you know, one thing that I always think about, and, you know, both of us are, are from Ohio and we know people from Ohio and other places, Atlanta, even Atlanta, even New York, for example, right? Like we'll even throw them in there, how uncomfortable people are and how scared they are to move somewhere outside of their car. It's not the norm for someone to grow up in any major city in the U.S. and actually yeah. leave that city. They might go away for college, but usually they come back or find their way back yeah. to that city. Um, and it's always been amazing to me. Like that's, that's one of the things, like how rare of a trait it is. And people tell me this all the time. Like you, you don't hesitate to move from one place to another. You don't have that fear. People have fear of the unknown. And I think that if you can overcome that, like you actually had to leave Ohio and go to Atlanta and experience Atlanta for you to realize, hey, this probably isn't it. And had to move from Atlanta all the way to L.A. Mm -hmm. to I understand was, that L.A. is the place for you. When so I was 17, when I moved yeah. to, to Atlanta for college, so it's still a young age. I didn't know a single person. I just went blind. And then... I lived in Boston by myself. I lived in Memphis by myself. I lived in, you know, and then after I lived in Atlanta for a while, I moved um, or I traveled all over by myself. I went to China yeah. several times. I went to Taiwan. I went, you know, all over the state. So, you know, at a young age, taking, taking your own path teaches you not to be so afraid of the things that people don't do everyone's always talking about how much they want to travel or what they want to do so like, okay well you can just go do it right like yeah. it's only your mind that's that's in the way most people can afford more than they think when it comes to travel they just have to change what they're visualizing in their mind you know and the cultural differences aren't as difficult to overcome as you make it you know yeah but here's the uh, question right do you want to go to paris for example or do you want to stay in the Ritz-Carlton in Paris? Because those are two different things. So what are you talking about, right? Yeah. I know so many people who are like, oh, I want, I want to go to Europe. It's like, well, you could probably go. You know, I could, link, I could send you, if for everyone listening, Scott's Cheap Flights is this website where you, you just get emails of like really great flight deals going on. So I went to Paris on a $300 round trip last year. Yeah. And, you know, you can, you can do that. You know, but you have to decide to do it. And I only went for three days, but yeah, it doesn't and that, matter. And, and that's, it goes back to like we, what we talked about a few episodes ago, experiencing the experience. Like, are you trying to go somewhere? Like going and staying at the Ritz-Carlton in Paris, you're not experiencing the culture in the city that way. You, you, you're just basically going to a hotel that you could go to in America, right? Yeah. And that shifts the dynamic of your experience versus actually going and embracing and understanding the real side of a of of a place that's one thing i always do you know it's like i would like to see the real culture the first time um went to london we went to london uh the it was very very uncertain because it was the first time right um and so stayed in kind of a more uh well-known area um closer but the second time we were much more comfortable with the public transportation how to get around the different parts of the city and we decided to stay in an area that no tourists stay in in shortage and that experience was so much better because i got to see the real people of london and see how they move um Versus just being around a bunch of tourists. You know? Yeah, it's far more enjoyable too. Yeah, it is. Yeah. You know, and that's something that Anthony Bourdain built a whole show around, right? Yeah. Like, I think a lot of people who know the Anthony Bourdain story were like, oh, I wish I had his life, you know? Um, yeah. But honestly, it does get exhausting. It does. When you do switch up, I find when I do switch up my lifestyle and get fully immersed, my 
usually my stamina for it isn't there right away. Usually in a few days, I'm, I'm ready to go back. Yeah. I mean, there's that feeling of there's no place like home. That's why it's yeah. there, right. Um, it, you're right. Where your comfort zone is, is where your comfort zone is. Like, I love going to New York now versus living there. Living there was stressful. Um, like going there for a few days is, is fun, you know, for me. Yeah. Um, and that's, it's, it's, it's important. I think when you're talking about moving and experiencing different places, especially when you're talking about living there, right. You've got to give yourself, you know, more than one year, two years, two to three years in a place. Um, if you go, if you're hopping around, if you're one of these consultants who's flying all around the country, but not really experiencing living out of hotel rooms, you're not really building a crew base um, of, of cultural understanding. You're just seeing a whole bunch of shit, you know? Yeah, yeah, 100%. And it's also like what parts of culture do you experience too? Some people are really into um, like the fancier stuff. And like, I, I tend to find that I like the really basic shit that I grew up on in Ohio. Like I like to go to the popular malls and stuff, you know? Yeah. Like all this like fancy, like you got to go eat here. Like, yeah, I don't think about any of that stuff. Like I like finding little street vendors that make the best. Bro, I am on the same wave. That's a hundred percent. Like a lot of the time, even around LA, I'll be like, yo, you want to get a burrito from that, you know, little stand there. Everyone yeah. in my group's like, no, and I get outvoted. But it's just, yeah, I just don't like the pretentiousness of like all the high end stuff because it's yeah. like, I think it's also because we're grounded the way that we're grounded and we know like what the third world looks like and what the Midwest looks like. And yeah, just like, like even that, that restaurant experience you had was pretty cool. Right. But it's yeah. like, do they really need to make it this difficult for people? Yeah, you know? well, it's it's cool stuff, but I would never ever go out of my way to do that for myself. You know, it's like one of those things. Yeah, yeah, it's like it's a like thing work. Yeah, and it's 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 like one of those things. I I mean, I've monetized this for a long time, throwing you know high end VIP events, but I never understood. Like, I, every time I would go out and I'd look at the line, it would be like wrapped around the block. I would be like people really are waiting in line to come into this club and maybe catch a glimpse of a celebrity. They're paying a cover charge. Then they're waiting in line and then they're paying for overpriced drinks. I didn't get it, but yeah. it wasn't for me to get it. It's like, okay, that's what they want to consume. I'm going to set up the best environment for them to consume what they want, you know, yeah. but I could not ever like, it doesn't matter if it was Michael Jordan I was waiting on or, or, or anybody that I really wanted to meet as a kid. I don't think that I could, I'd sit and wait in a line for hours for it. No, I, I, I'm the same way. Lines in general, I've just never, never, ever waited in. If I yeah. wanted to do something, if there wasn't a way for me to do it quite simply, then okay. But it's a huge part of like, it's not the norm, right? Like, I don't know who's crazy. If we're the crazy ones, because I'll tell you the line when I Supreme Supreme makes a drop, right? People are camping out outside the store waiting. So I waited in line for a Harry Potter release when I was a kid. <laughs> well, that you was were a the kid. thing to do. Yeah, you were a kid. Yeah, and plus you were surrounded by probably a whole bunch of nerdy Harry Potter kids, right? Yeah, it was awesome. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I can I can see young Partha now. Yeah, with it holding his mom's hand, waiting to see Harry Potter. Yeah, I mean, you know, the, when the book drops, you gotta get the book, man. Yeah, that was it. If you yeah. ordered it online back then, you got it like a week after everyone, so everyone would have finished, and you just you're like, ah, don't tell me the ending. You're the only one at school who doesn't know. So kids really would go to school and talk about Harry Potter. Oh yeah. Yeah, everyone would actually carry it around from class to class and read it right after they finish their tests or whatever. Wow. Yeah. Gosh, could you imagine that? It, it, it's such an amazing story, the whole Harry Potter thing from both like a storybook standpoint and movie standpoint, and then also 
you know, the background of the author and finally getting their break yeah. um, in their forties. Yeah. You know, it was, it's, it's a pretty, a pretty amazing overall story of like, of perseverance and like when it's something's time, it's something's time. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I totally agree, man. Pretty, pretty cool. Pretty cool. Well, on that note, I think it's time for us to bring a closed episode 87 here. I do too. I love this deep dive, man. It's one of my favorite things to talk about is adapting to different environments and what it takes to actually do that. So I think, yeah. you know, summarize it's experience the world around you, spend time in different places, interact in real and authentic ways, and also know yourself. So you know what's a good fit for you and what's not a good fit for you. And when you find your fit, attack it. Yeah. And ask people for help if you're learning yeah. new customs. If you're in a different city, ask people what they do or how they get around. And like, don't be embarrassed by that. That's okay. Yep. Yeah. And observe. Just sit and observe too. Just don't always need to act. Like one of my favorite things to do in New York is to just ride the subway and observe the people that I see. Right. Um, and, you know, there are different things that you can do in different places to absorb the culture without even speaking or doing too much other than just watching yeah yeah on that note we're out stay moving and always remember be you you is fly no cap nightcap is wrecked